And you notice that the father did not chase after the son. The father didn't do anything but watch and pray. Do you know why? Because the father knew he could do everything he wanted to to make it okay for that kid, but it wasn't going to change that kid until that kid decided that he had to lose something to win something. Are you with me? And this is the issue that we have to deal with in life. It's all about our Father. It's about what God has set before us. But here's what the Father did, just like Pastor Gary talked last week, and just like Pastor Philemon did the, the four weeks, the four or five weeks that he preached while I was gone, that, that God wants to make a way where there seems to be no way. God's not waiting with a stick to beat us down or to knock us over the head or say, I told you so. God is waiting like the prodigal father. When he saw him, listen to this, looking at the book of Luke, a great distance off. The Bible says the father saw that and said, I I recognize the figure. Oh, I see the limp. Oh, it's a little deeper because he's been struggling. He's probably lost a lot of weight. You know, he's been playing with the world. And you know what? But the dad said, Everybody else, you guys look good. It's okay. I'm going after him. He's coming home. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Kind of powerful, wasn't it? Very simple. I've had people over the years come to our church and come a couple services and said, Pastor, I love your church, but your preaching's too strong, so I won't stay. I've had people come to church and say, well, I can't enter into worship because I don't like the music, I don't like this, I don't like that. See, the problem is when we come to church and it's about us, we can't worship, we can't listen, we can't grow, we can't do anything. Genesis to Revelation I'll tell you the answer I've given to those people that have said those things. Genesis to Revelation says it's about him. I come not because I feel like it, because I want it, because I, you know, I, I mean, I shouldn't say that want it. We do want if we're a Christian. But I, I come to tune in to him. And because of that, I can lay aside everything else. And if we can't do that, then we have to ask ourselves, is the problem, the church, the worship, The pastor or the person? Are we okay? My job as a pastor in this church is to grow people. I said I would answer the two questions. When they told me that, I told them, can I help you find another church then? You say, pastor, that's hard. I'm I'm not the pastor of this church to to win a popularity contest. I got two amens out of that. Is that okay? I'm in this church to get you to heaven. That's why I'm here. And if I got any other reason for being here, I'm here for the wrong reason. Said if you just change your preaching a little bit, this place will be packed out and overflowing. Praise the Lord. The people that say they can't enter the worship, I tell them stop worshiping themselves because that's what it's really all about. Their likes, their dislikes, their wants, their ambitions. Somebody say amen. 
What will we lose to win? The title of today's sermon is To Go Up, We Must Give Up. Pastor Philemon, the whole time that he was here, preached some wonderful messages on the second chance. How many enjoyed Pastor Philemon? Did he do an awesome job or what? I got a little email from somebody who said, Pastor, you got to be careful. This guy is so good, you might become the second pastor. Praise the Lord. Like I said, folks, it's, this ain't my gig. This is his gig. I'm just, I'm just doing what he called me to do. Last week, how many enjoyed Pastor Gary Kinneman? Was that great or what? He talked about the grace, the fact that we're saved, that God loves us. But he talked about staying the course. He talked about committed life. He talked about dedication. And that we are already sons and daughters. I talk to a lot of people when they go through struggles about the prodigal son. And I say that too many times in that message, we get the message really messed up. The prodigal son's not about the son. It's really about the father. And you notice that the father did not chase after the son. The father didn't do anything but watch and pray. Do you know why? Because the father knew He could do everything he wanted to to make it okay for that kid. But it wasn't going to change that kid until that kid decided that he had to lose something to win something. Are you with me? And this is the issue that we have to deal with in life. It's all about our father. It's about what God has set before us. But here's what the father did, just like Pastor Gary talked last week, and just like Pastor Philemon did the the four weeks, the four or five weeks that he preached while I was gone, that, that God wants to make a way where there seems to be no way. God's not waiting with a stick to beat us down or to knock us over the head or say, I told you so. God is waiting like the prodigal father. When he saw him, listen to this, look at the book of Luke, a great distance off. The Bible says the father saw that and said, I I recognize the figure. Oh, I see the limp. Oh, it's a little deeper because he's been struggling. He's probably lost a lot of weight. You know, he's been playing with the world. And you know what? But the dad said, everybody else, you guys look good. It's okay. I'm going after him. He's coming home. And the Bible says that he ran. But that's the father that says, what are you willing to lose to win? Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, that's the cloud that went before us, those people that died and have gone on to heaven before us. Underline this in your notes, please. Let us lay aside every weight and then circle that word the. The sin that easily ensnares us. Did I skip a word? That's so easily. You know why the Word of God uses that word so in there? Because it's something we're very familiar with. There's not a single man or woman in this building that isn't very familiar with the thing they stumble with every day of their lives. Are you with me? Not a single man or woman that doesn't know that wall. They've hit it so many times. Doesn't know that valley. They've crossed it so many times. Doesn't know that bridge. They've come to it so many times. They know very well the thing, the weight that so easily besets and snares. And then I want you to underline these words. But let us run with endurance in your notes. That word endurance is patience. The race that is set before us. I love Jasper and Farah. They are an inspiration to me. They started running marathons a few, a couple years ago. 26, what is it? 26.2 miles. I'm fortunate for 26.2 feet. But it inspired me. Jasper's dedication, he, he, put his, he said, Pastor, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, do this. And then his wife bought into it with him. Which is just incredible. I watch him in, in San Francisco. I watch him in, in the different places running this marathon. You know why? Because 
They knew it took dedication. They had to buy into this thing because they knew it wasn't going to be a sprint. It was going to be a marathon. Too many times as Christians, we think, I get saved and everything's going to be okay. And we're going to sprint to the finish line. No, no, no. It is a marathon. For us too. Look what he says. Run with endurance. But then it gives us all of the information we need that guarantees the victory. Look what it says here. Look to Jesus. And underline this in your notes if I haven't already. The author and finisher. Drop down a few lines. It says, consider him. Because he already endured. And he said, because if you don't, the last sign says you're going to become weary and discouraged. Look at me, please. If you don't make a decision what you're willing to lose to win, you will get weary and discouraged in this marathon. Am I making sense today? And it's a choice I can't make for you. Adam can't make for you. Lavelle can't make for you. My wife can't make for you. Bill, nobody can make. The prodigal's father could not make that decision for his son. He had to say that boy has to come to the place of understanding, I've got to lose if I'm going to ever win. And we know the story. It took him till he got to the place of his face down in the hog pen. In your notes, quickly. What will we lose to win? We've got to give up our love for this world, folks. Now, I know this is going to be a little tough to chew, but I'll go through it quickly so you don't get caught in your throat. The world is always playing for our attention. Always. It has nothing to do with you can't be successful. It has nothing to do with you can't have possessions. It has to do with success and possessions can't have us. God has to be the center. And throughout this message, I'll promise you this one thing. The Holy Spirit will start putting lights off in your head of places where God's not the center. Because God says, I'm either Lord of all or I'm not Lord at all. I have all of you or I can't have any of you. Light and darkness, truth and error, heaven and hell can't share. Look at the apostles' urge. He said, lay aside every weight. And underline this, the sin. And underline this, that so easily ensnares us. Scripture encourages you and I to be like Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, went through every single thing that we could ever imagine. Every single situation in life. But the Bible says, by the things he suffered, he learned to be a son. See, at any time during the course that Jesus walked this earth, he could have said, Father, I'm done. These guys ain't worth it. Let's just wipe it out and start over. Aren't you glad he decided to go through it? The word of God encourages us to be like Jesus. But most won't simply And sadly, because they desire to be part of the world, their desire to be part of this world is stronger than their stand against it. When there is a choice to stand, it's hard. When you're in with the in crowd, my my heart goes out, Emily and, and Jacob. I don't know where you went. You're here somewhere. There you are. Emily and Jacob and many others in this room have just started college. Man. Julie over here, starting back into college this year. Uh, Pastor Philemon's wife, back into college this year. Uh, Pastor Philemon's other daughter, Wander, is going to be in college in Colorado. She's not going to have her home group to be hanging with to give her strength. So we're going to have to pray for her extra hard. But my heart goes out because it's like Daniel being thrown into that lion's den, except those lions are hungry. 
You say, well, Pastor, those lions were too. That's right. And God shut the mouths because of the prayers of faithful saints. And as they are going to be challenged, they're going to be daily asked, what are you willing to lose in order to win? This is a daily thing that has to be faced. It's a willful decision that has to be made. First John says it this way, Do not love the world, nor the things it offers you. You think the word of God puts it any plainer? Do not love the world or the things that it offers. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Man, is that tough. What do you mean I can't have it both ways? My wife's here. How do you think she would like it if I come home to her one day with another little chickadee on my arm and say, sweetie, you're my all in all, but I just wanted to share a little bit. How many things she'd be sharing real quick? That frying pan across my head. You see, it doesn't work that you can have both ways. You see, before Adam and Eve ate that fruit, they faced it. Before the flood, all of mankind faced it. Before Sodom and Gomorrah's destruction, Lot and his family faced it. After Moses' death, Joshua faced it. The Israelites coming out of the wilderness, becoming dissatisfied, they faced it. They faced the decision of saying, who am I going to serve? What am I talking about? I'm talking about things. I'm talking about people. I'm talking about stuff. I'm talking about the tangible or the intangible. The Bible calls it a weight. The Bible calls it very specifically the sin. You say, Pastor, what is it? Can you be a little less biblical and a little more personal? Yes, it's anything that gets God out of the center of your life. Anything. It can be the wife. It can be the husband. It can be the children. It can be the job. It can be the school. It can be a paycheck. It can be the espousing for a bigger paycheck. Look what it says in Romans 6. Don't you know that who you present yourself a servant to, that's the one you're going to serve? Whether of sin unto death or obedience unto life, what am I willing to lose? ultimately to win. Am I making any sense this morning? Secondly, quickly, we've got to give up our love for the world. The Bible says we have to go a step further. We have to give up our love for life. You say, Pastor, this is hard. This is why people don't come to our church. I think we've got a pretty good crew of people in this church. But they've chosen. They've got to win, lose some things. To win. And I talk to pastors all the time. I, I actually talk to most of the churches in town. They say, Pastor, how come? Does your church drop about 50% attendance in, during the summertime? And I said, no, not 50%. It drops a little bit. You know, Flagstaff is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, but everybody wants to leave here to go on vacation. And that's okay. I mean, it's not a problem, but... Uh, The Word of God tells us to win, we've got to lose. Give up the love of our lives. Now look at two things that Jesus did, that Paul did, the disciples did, to consider when we're doing this, when we're dealing with the love of our life. Number one was preparation. We sit and watch the fact that Jesus' life doesn't even come on the scene until he's 30 years old. Now, we see a glimpse of him at 12 years old. We see, of course, the birth. What was happening in those 30 years? He was preparing for those three years. He was looking at what the world was offering. He was paying attention to what was captivating everybody else. 
30 years, he was watching his father's business on the earth, his natural father. Kind of an interesting little ad there, as you notice, we never hear much about Jesus' earthly father either. Just like the prodigal son is all, we all look at the prodigal son when it's really about the father. The first thing that we consider here is preparation. The Bible says that we take up our cross daily to follow Christ. In three weeks, I'm going to start a new series on the end times. And the very thing I'm going to talk about first is why we know that his return is even at the door. And it has to do with the church. So you don't want to miss September 7th. I'm going to start a new series on the end times. I'm going to take you all around the world. I'm going to take you to the Middle East. I'm going to take you to the the 6.7 earthquake they just had in California this morning. I'm going to take you to all the different things that have been transpiring around the world. But you don't want to miss that. September 7th, we're going to start that series. There's a preparation that they understand had to daily happen. There was a challenge to everything that stood between them and God. Do you think the devil takes a break between Sunday night and Saturday night and just comes in and lets us have it on Sunday morning? Do you think the devil takes a break at any time? No. This is why the Word of God says we have to prepare. We have to consider the weights and sins that would so easily try to corrupt us. Because the devil is trying to get us to win the world, to lose our souls. When God is saying, if you'll give me your life, I'll take care of the world. Where is he? What are we willing to lose to win? So let's look at this real quick. The weights. When it talks about weights, what he's talking about are the worries, the frustrations, the ambitions, the possessions, the desires, the anxieties, the goals, the the ensnarements that hinder our walk with God. When you go to the original language, that word weights comes from the phrase that means something prominent or a burden that continually bears on you. How many in your life? There's things as a Christian, you just kind of walk around and say, man, I just wish I could get this off my shoulders. Anybody here? You see, this weight has a tendency to pull us down when Jesus is trying to lift us up. It tries to pull us back when the Lord is trying to encourage us forward. God is trying to make our life a delight, but the weight makes it a duty. God is trying to make it a promise, but the weight keeps us entangled in a problem that's harder and heavier every day. Look at Matthew chapter 11. It says, come to me. Jesus is speaking. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Look what he says. I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me. Remember that passage we read? He said, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher, because if you do not, it will cause you to be discouraged and ultimately given in, given out, and fully given up. Look what it goes on to say. I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. When you're considering me, you keep your eyes upon me in every situation. He says, goes on to say, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If that's not underlined, would you please underline it in your notes? You know what Jesus is saying in this passage? He said, what are you willing to lose? To win. There is not a single thing in our life that Jesus doesn't say is not doable. He said, if it's not doable and if it's not bearable, it's not me. So maybe if you got this burden on you, you got this weight hanging over you, you got to say, God, you're not in the center of this thing. Something's different. Something's not happening. Are you with me today? So the question 
do the desires that you have in this life, do they lift you up? I'm talking about in God, or do they pull you down? Do they draw you towards or distract you from? These are all weights. Now let me go to that word sin. The sin. It easily troubles. Why? We're very familiar with it. We've been to this house before. We've danced this dance before. It's shown up again, and it's going to continually show up until we lay it aside. And the only way to lay it aside is to give it and consider Jesus, the author and finisher, who said, I will take this, I will lift this, I will encourage this. What the word, the sin, the phrase, the sin, it talks about the thing that's easily troubling or the thing that has the greatest advantage over us. In the Greek, it literally comes from the term anything that competes, keeping us incapable of the course set before us, the life that we maintain, and the victory that he's promised. And if I can, help us to understand that it is a damning sin. It has its objective to not take you out, but to take you all the way down. Say, Pastor, you're telling me I already know what this is. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You've been there before, and you will be there again, because it's a place that we haven't made a choice to lose this, to win that. We like dabbling in both worlds as Christians. Some of you give me that not I look. We like that. If I can just kind of get in that gray area, God will understand. I'm not thinking so. Is everybody okay today? There was preparation. But then there was a second word that Gary used last word last week. It was that word perfection. You see, the fact he has already made us righteous. We have already been made perfect through Christ. But the commitment to running this race, the commitment to living this life is what will happen to get us to the finish line or not. Let me give you a, a perspective or picture here. Many people in here are sports fans. And anybody here watch baseball? You know, at baseball, we have four coaches, four referees, four umpires. Uh, I actually think there's more, but there's four bases, okay? You have a first base coach, you have a second base coach, you have a third base coach, you have a home base coach, or umpires, or coaches, or let's call them judges. When that guy is standing up there, the umpire represents the father, the prodigal's father. The son's up there, and that umpire wants him so badly, come on, knock it out of the park. But he's not saying that. He's not doing that. He's not there saying, oh, I hope this guy gets strikes out. Strike this guy. No, he wants him. He wants him to win. Not because he's on one team or the other. He understands the game. He understands the, the, the marathon, the purpose. But he's there, and he's judging correctly. The ball comes across. It's a little high right, but it's in the box. Strike. Low left, but it's in the box. Strike. Come on, buddy, you can get that. I can picture the umpires talking to him. All of a sudden, the guy, he's there, and he's, he's lined up. You can tell I don't play baseball very much. He's lined up, and he's, he's, and the umpire says, fair, and he starts running. He starts running, and he gets down, and you know what? First base, there's another judge, umpire, coach, and that guy there is not wanting that guy to fail. 
He's coming up there, and that guy's saying, come on, come on, let's see where that ball's at. Come on, i gotta keep, I got to keep it fair. i got to keep it accurate. All of a sudden, the first base coach from the on team, he's going like this. Come on, come on, come on. He runs around to second place. And all of a sudden, you know what's at second base? There's another coach. There's another umpire. There's another judge. But that guy's not wanting him to lose either. He's wanting him to win. And there's a coach from the team. And that guy's just saying, come on. And then all the way around to the third base, the guy's saying, come on, you got it, you got it, all the way home. And you know what he's got to face again? The father. Who will be your savior or your judge? And you know what he wants? He wants to welcome you home and say, safe! Say, Pastor, that sounds easy enough. Yeah, but I forgot to say there's an unseen guy at every plate who wants you to lose. He's not happy when you win. He's not happy when you give up this life for another. Am I making any sense at all today? See, this is the picture of perfection. It's a maturity that understands I'm already bought and paid for. It's a done deal. Everybody in this team wants me to win. All I got to do is I got to run the race. I got to run with patience. I got to run with purpose. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, it's not on the screen, but you can write it down, chapter 9. He said we have to run the race correctly. Not as one beating the air. Not as one that's that's just going through this motion or that motion. Guys, gals, we're not just doing this just to do it. we got a purpose. And my purpose is to win. How about you? But I understand to win, I have to lose. I have to lose impatience. I have to lose the lack of not wanting to be consistent and persevering. Let me bring this to a close today. I'll have the usher team up in just a second, or the, the, the worship. Part three in this, we have to understand that God's ways and man's ways are not the same. Man's ways is just being good enough. Well, pastor, I'm, I'm, I don't do as bad as this guy. That won't get us to heaven. I'm not as bad as that guy. That won't get us across first plate, let alone home plate. Good enough doesn't quite take care of it. Gain the love of our God. Putting God at the center. The one who will lose his life, the Bible says, will gain or win it all. The greatest example of encouragement that you and I can have on this course is knowing that Jesus went before us, is knowing that Jesus finished the course, that he is the author. The truth is, is because he is, we are. But not only is he the author, is he not the beginner, is he not the the progenitor, is he not the founder and the starter of all of it? The Bible says he is the finisher of our faith. He is the one that says, hey, I started this whole thing. I was the home plate umpire. I was the home plate coach. I was the home plate judge. I started this. I authored this. And you know what? When you run those three bases, when you run that marathon of life, guess what? I'm going to be the finisher right here waiting for you. And he's going to be there welcoming you and me home. Can you say amen? He is the fulfiller of every promise. But the scripture that we looked at in Hebrews told us to look unto Jesus, the author, the finisher. You see, not only did Jesus lose all, he stepped out of eternity into time. He left his crown, he left his throne, and became as a helpless baby. He lost all. Because he said, I'm going to gain all, Dad. I'm doing this 
all for you. Father, I'm going to keep you at the center. That way, I'm never going to be bothered whether worship is loud or worship is soft or worship is long or worship is short. I'm never going to be bothered whether the preacher's too loud, the preacher's too soft, the preacher's too this, the preacher. I'm never going to be. Why? Because it ain't about them. It's about you, Father. Not only did Jesus lose all to gain all, but he met and faced and endured all to get us through all. Jesus stood for all that he stood for. Man has stood against. The denial was leveled against Jesus, against him as the Son of God, his authority, his preaching, yet he patiently, the Bible says he endured all. And if that weren't enough, he went further. The Bible says he endured the cross. And I don't have time to get into that part of this message, but as we continue on, I will touch into this. There's, a, there's an endurement of the cross. The cross was not just a place to die. There was a, a, a symbolic and a figurative and a purposeful meaning that Jesus went there, that that totally annihilated everything possibly the enemy could have done in your life. When Jesus died of that cross, when he hung there, and all of a sudden, now that cross is no longer full, it is barren. And when Jesus was laid in that tomb, and that tomb is no longer full, but it is empty. When those things transpired, I want you to know, it sent message loud and clear to Satan and said, this is not yours anymore. Don't you even try to touch them. They belong to me, and I'm going to get them home. Will we lose the world? Will we lose our life to win eternity? He endured the cross. And I I have this in your notes. Underline this, please. He despised the shame. You know what it says? He did not even consider the shame and humility of Calvary even to give a second thought to. When he was in Gethsemane and said, Father, if there's any other way, three times, it was settled. It was done. He said, Dad, I'm doing this. As you go down in Hebrews 12, it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. The joy. August 24, 2014. All the churches around the world preaching the love of Christ, the purpose of Calvary, the promise of the tomb, the salvation of mankind. That's the joy that took him all the way. You see, it's from him, in him, and for him that we have everything. Because of him. Will we lose the world to win all of that? Let's look unto him as our example. Consider him. No matter what the situation we're facing. The advantage that you and I have is he's been there. He's already been through it. He knows what you're facing. The greatest verse that I find in Amber, if you could take it there in 2 Timothy 4, look what it says. Paul is preparing to be martyred. He's in a Roman prison, and he's preparing to lose his life for the gospel. And He said, I understand this whole concept of winning and losing. And he said, I lost everything a long time ago. I I laid it all to him. In Philippians chapter 3, it says he forgot those things that were behind, that he could press on to what's ahead. You see, you can never press on if you're hanging on. There's people in in this room right here. You're hanging on to stuff you should have long let go but it keeps dragging you down, holding you back. 
There's relationships. Am I talking about marriages? Oh, yeah, he's giving me a license to get out of this thing. I'm not talking about that, folks. You need to work on that one. But there's relationships. There's friendships. You, you need to toss like a hot potato. Get out of that thing. It's dragging you down. I'm always amazed by little girls that, are, that talk to me. And I say that respectfully, young ladies. Please forgive me. To me, at my age, pretty much everything is a little girl or a little boy. You know. They come to me and say, Pastor, this guy's treating me this way, this way, this way. What do you think? Dump that puppy. Take every picture you have and put a big L on his head. For loser! Put some more value in yourself, young lady. You know what God says? God says a man that finds a wife finds a good thing. Ladies, it doesn't say anything about you finding a husband. It doesn't say that's good or not. You see, God's on your side. Some of you wives should say, amen. Some of you ladies, you're too precious to just settle. Too precious to just settle. You were to God. I mean, look at it. Look at it. In creation, God made a mud heap. Adam, come here. (laughs) But the Bible says when he made woman, he took a rib. He put a deep sleep on Adam, grabbed a rib out of his side. Ugh! Yes, it's okay for your wife to be a pain sometime. It's been that way since creation. Okay, some of you men missed a good place to say amen. Of course, you get a sharp elbow probably. I didn't go there. I didn't say that, did I, Connie? I did. Okay. Anyway, so he caused a deep sleep to fall upon man. And you know what the Bible says? He fashioned, formed. When you look in the original language, it's a picture of tenderness. And he brought the woman to Adam. Had no name. You know how you got your name? Adam looked and just said, whoa, man. Okay. My humor does not get, I'll just jump right in there. It does not get better. Okay. But the reality is you are precious. Well, sir, you are too. You need to cut some of those times. You need to lose some of that junk that's weighing you down, that's beating you down. Look what Paul said. He said, I fought long and hard for my Lord. Does that look like a sprint? Paul said, I know exactly what I was getting. I fought long and hard and through it all. Underline this in your notes, please. I kept true to him. I kept true. And now it's time for me to stop fighting and rest. A crown's waiting for me, which the Lord, the righteous judge, is going to give me. Not just to me also, but all to those that are looking forward to his return. I want to, if it's okay with you all, most of you know my testimony. Many of you do. Some of you don't. Before I got saved, I was in the entertainment business. I got saved in the early 80s. To show you the depth of the group that I had, I, people ask me all the time, Pastor, what was the name of your band? The Tim Masters Show. There was no eagle back then, was there? I would go to nightclubs, and it was pretty impressive to see your name in six and ten-foot letters. I used to play all that. I played country, country rock. And I played the same nightclubs, a lot of them that, that a lot of the big names, you know, you'd know some of them like, like uh, Johnny Cash. I played the same places. Actually opened, right when I got saved, I had a contract I was going to open for one of the biggest groups at the time. It was named Alabama. My group was going to be opening for them. My little brother was going to become my manager, and he called me after 
they found out I got saved, and he said you, that I've ruined his career. But see, God began dealing with me and said, Son, why do you have that gift? Why do you think you can do those things? You think it's just because you picked up that guitar and, and you decided one day that, that it was just something you could do and you just kind of did it okay? No. Back then, I, whew, that was bad. Back then I thought that. After I got saved, God began to tell me, you see, I didn't give you that gift for you. I gave you that gift for me. And then God said, what are you going to do with it? And I said, I guess I'm going to give it back to you. People told me many times, said, look at all the stuff you gave up. How can I give up something that isn't mine? Now, I'm talking to some of you out there that have the gifts in your business, gifts in your, in your abilities, gifts in your uh, whatever the case is, and you're trying to think of something about you when it's all about him. And God says, when are you going to give it back to me that I can really do what I want to do with it? And so this message kind of comes out of that. The fact that that God said, if I'm going to win, I ultimately got to lose. And this song is kind of the testimony of that life. And if you would bear me just a few moments, I'll sing to you about what I did. You say, winners don't need a crutch. Only losers could believe in such. You don't need God You don't need anything That's the way I used to be I face life alone I take what the future can give And then God began to speak to me Well, here's to all the losers That lose all guilt and sin Here's to life in Jesus all of the losers win. How many think that's a pretty good deal? So I give my life to Christ. When I quit playing music, there's many years that I would make Eighty to $100,000, which is pretty good money today. Did lots of one-night stands where I'd make $1,000, $2,000. And then I'd paid my band their share, which was not the 1000 or $2,000. I had RCA Records. Says, what do you want to do? And at the same time, God was saying, what do you want to do? How many would agree that I might have made the right choice? I had a lot of the friends that I used to have walked away from me and said, you're nuts. Throwing your career away for such a thing like this, you don't, you don't understand. I said, no, no, I think it's you don't understand. And this is kind of what I told them. You think I've missed what success can bring But I miss success Like the trees miss the cold in spring You think that all That's far too much to give But you know what? That's what Jesus gave So that this
pastor today, why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise, would you? As the worship team comes, let me ask you, what are you willing to lose to win? What are you willing to let go of for what he did? It's really a simple question, but it's one that will cost everything of your life. There's some of you that are here today, and God's been challenging you through the course of this message, and he's been asking you. Just like the, the record deal, when they, when they wanted to know what I want to do. Now, of course, some people say, well, Pastor, you don't sing very good. <laughs> well, that was 40 years ago, folks. Yes. <laughs> That's a long time ago. I've been preaching for a long time, so I don't sing and play as well as I used to, but that's okay. In heaven, it still rejoices. There's people in here, God's been asking you, when are you ready to just hook, line, and sink or throw it all in? Some that are in this building, you're dealing with the issues that you're dealing with because you just won't give it all. Why? What has the world got? What has that relationship got? What is that job? What is that say? What what is it? That weight that so easily entangles that makes you just not willing to let it go. I wonder if we could bow our heads just for a moment. Father, we thank you, Lord. That it's not by might, it's not by power. It's by your Spirit. God, today in this room, there's many people in the valley of decision. What are they going to do? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.